This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is In Legal Terms, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill, joined today by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. This morning, we'll talk about your travel rights. Does an airline owe you compensation if they overbook? Does a cruise ship have to give you a refund if there's a mechanical failure? What's the difference between a guaranteed reservation and a confirmed reservation for a hotel room? Give us a call this morning with your vacation stories and questions. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back after the news. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email legalterms at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill, joined today by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. This morning, we'll talk about your travel rights. Does an airline owe you compensation if they overbook? Does a cruise ship have to give you a refund if there's a mechanical failure? What's the difference between a guaranteed reservation and a confirmed reservation for a hotel room? Give us a call this morning with your travel questions and comments. This num- The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, beginning, ready to begin August. Well, I am too. And, you know, I think because this is vacation time, or really kind of getting to the end of vacation time, I know here in Oxford our our schools start back this coming Friday, which is kind of amazing. But, you know, I thought it would be a good topic today to talk about problems people might have uh, when they're traveling on vacation or for business. Well, I think this is a fantastic time because we'll we'll get all of the uh, shoulda, woulda, couldas from the summer, but then I have so many friends who are retired and they don't begin to make their travel plans until September when everybody else has gone back to school. 
Well, that makes sense. In fact, I, I was talking to someone who said that uh, he and his wife travel after Labor Day because that's when uh, it's less crowded, and that kind of makes sense. I'm looking forward to those days. So I think this is a wonderful time. Uh, it's great to be prepared going forward so you can ask uh, for what b- travel businesses are contractually obligated to provide you. And isn't that the, the case, Professor Gershon? What we're talking about is what they are contractually obligated, whether you think of it as a contract or not. That's right. And uh, when you when you book an airline ticket, you're entering to, into a contract. When you stay at a hotel, you're entering into a contract as well. And so there are certain requirements, certain limitations on their liability, but certain duties that they have to you. And I think every person who has traveled at all has some nightmare story of something that happened to them uh, with an airline. So it's always good to know what what should I do, how should I approach this, and what are my rights. Well, we would love to hear if you've had this summer had a, a travel horror story that uh, someone else can benefit from, or you still need to find out if you have any legal recourse. Give us a call this morning. The number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one. 1- And uh, when we take our, we'll take an imaginary trip. And uh, if we go on an airline, uh, so many times, you know, now you can just go online and and book and pay for a flight. Um, So when you book and pay for your flight, should there be any more uh, gotchas when you get to the airport after you've paid for it online? Uh, Liz, no, there should not be. That should be your price. And in fact, um, the uh, uh, U.S. Department of Transportation requires that for domestic flights, that the airline be transparent in its pricing. What I've noticed airlines starting to do uh, this past year, I had to do some travel to to pick up my daughter from a a program she did at Durham, for example, at Durham, North Carolina. there are different prices now for different seats. If you want a seat that's a little closer to the front of the plane, you pay a little bit more. Uh, you know, there's kind of basic economy. But all of that should be it, and that should include fees. It should be exactly what you're going to end up paying, and you should know all of that as you, uh, as you uh, hit uh, confirm. That's right. Um, when you when you do hit confirm, they they try to sell you. They're happy to sell you extras, um, but uh, for the seats or for um, paying for luggage. But uh, when you hit the enter, that should be it. It should, it should be. I, one of my big pet peeves. I have to say, this is not a legal thing, but this is just something that still bothers me a little bit. Is that you know they they raised. The, well, they actually started charging the uh, baggage fee, the check bag fee, because gas prices were high. They were up near $4 a gallon at one point. Uh, but when gas prices dropped uh, to maybe even historic lows, uh, considering inflation, they did not uh, remove the bag fees. And, and the fact is, if somebody is carrying their bag on the plane or checking it, it's still on the plane. It still weighs the same amount. So I never really understood how airlines justified those baggage fees, but they make a lot of money from them. All right. Um, now, the next part on our on our imaginary trip, are you entitled to compensation if the airline overbooks, but not because of weather, but it overbooks and the flight doesn't get you to your destination when you were supposed to arrive? Well, you are. Um, and, and in fact, um, there are two types of bumping. 
One is voluntary. So sometimes they'll, they'll say, hey, you know, uh, we, we've overbooked the flight. Anyone who's flexible with their, with their schedule, uh, who volunteers will be given compensation. And, and that's somewhat flexible for the airline because they can pretty much make an offer and, uh, you know, to try to get people basically to voluntarily bump. And that's, that's what they'd rather have happen. Uh, and typically they'll get enough people to volunteer, uh, to, that they won't have to involuntarily bump someone. And it's not a bad thing to do. You know, if, you, if you've got some flexibility in your travel and, and you can wait a few hours to take the next flight, those can often be uh, pretty good amounts. They'll give you, you know, travel vouchers for that airline. Uh, I've seen up to $1,000 for, for people uh, who voluntarily bumped. Uh, but if, you're, if they don't get enough people to voluntarily bump, then they will involuntarily bump you. And typically what they'll do is they'll do it based on um, – your your status, you know, airlines are very status uh, 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 conscious. I guess is the best way to put it because, you know, there there are different fares, there are different classes of fares. People who pay the lowest economy fare, or people who used uh, uh, their miles and things like that, have a lower status than people who paid for higher fares. People in uh, premium seats, that kinds of thing. But anyway, they will vol- involuntarily bump you, and you are entitled to compensation. Uh, and they have to first. They have to arrange substitute transportation at no cost uh, for you. And if you have to wait uh, between one and four hours, um, then uh, what they have to do is pay you uh, an amount equal to two hundred percent of your one-way fare uh, to your destination for a maximum of six hundred seventy-five dollars. Um, if uh, if it's two to four hours. Uh, or four or more internationally, then it's 400% of your one-way fare or up to $1,350 maximum. So, I mean, they, you, you're entitled to compensation. It should be, uh, they should make that clear uh, when someone is involuntarily bumped. Uh, my recommendation is when they offer that, uh, even as frustrated as you might be, I think the best thing for everybody is just leave the plane because we saw some instances this summer where, uh, you know, there was some... Uh, bad results from passengers who did not leave voluntarily. That's right, and that that always shows up on uh, YouTube. So, Professor Gershon, what are your rights as a ticket holder on a flight that's been canceled? Well, that's a a great question. It really depends on um, why it was canceled. But, you know, weather, you mentioned weather, and right now there's, for example, a tropical storm that just went across Florida. I imagine there are going to be weather delays. Airlines are not responsible for weather delays. And the, what they will do for you and what they have to do for you is get you on another flight, uh, where, you know, the, the next available flight to your destination where they have space. Uh, I think most people have been in situations, I know if you travel in the north in the winter, uh, sometimes there are delays because of snow or cancellations because of snow. And you could be uh, trapped in a city for two days or more. Uh, but the airline simply has to get you on the next flight where there is a seat available. And so these are not really so much legal questions as are, they are logistic questions. Some savvy travelers will tell you that if you find out your flight is canceled because of weather, don't go stand in line at the desk, but call, call the airline. And uh, and a lot of times they'll give you an, uh, a direct number that you can call if you've been delayed or canceled. That's going to get you 
on you know, the quickest results so that you can get on the next flight because if if there are a lot of cancellations then those planes those next available planes are going to fill up pretty quickly which means that you could be uh, again trapped at a destination for several days sometimes before you can get on a plane out and especially when there's a weather event it, it seems to move east so uh, the, it, it dominoes, and uh, each one keeps getting getting canceled, and more and more people become affected. Exactly, and so you know, this is not legal advice. This is just uh, advice that if you have, uh, if you know, for example, that you're, if you're traveling for for pleasure, it's usually less of a problem. But if you're traveling for for business, uh, then you want to make sure you have some flex time built in for those delays. Uh, you know, I always think if I'm going to give a speech or something like that, I want to get there the night before so that if anything goes wrong, I still have a chance to, to make that uh, presentation. Um, and I, we, I was on a flight with someone one time who we were delayed um, seven hours, and she was trying to make a wake uh, at her destination that she was now going to miss uh, because of that, uh, that flight delay. So, you know, the airlines are not responsible for that if, there, if, if, if there's a problem that is not of their making. Right. So now we have one call that we're going to go to uh, from Jackson. Jared has a question. Go ahead, Jared. Um, hi. My mother came from a trip, a cruise in Miami this past June, and her seats were given up by standbys because her gates were changed last minute. Is she entitled to a refund for her seat or just a full refund altogether well let me ask i mean as i understand it then she what happened was because she was late checking in they gave her seat to someone on standby and then she was basically bumped no actually she wasn't late checking in the gates she was in uh, miami international airport her gates were announced as changed but i guess she didn't hear it so when she arrived to the uh correct gate standbys were waiting to be seated and her seat was given up by a standby and she talked to one of the customer service representatives and they wouldn't allow her to get on the plane so when she went on her next flight you know she got on her flight but she didn't receive a refund right away for her seat so should be should she be entitled to a refund for just a seat or for the entire flight well, so she did get to her destination. They put right. her on the next flight. I, unfortunately, probably not. I mean, there are uh, some things on the uh, you know on the ticket stated in the ticket, basically, and also they'll they'll put this on your boarding pass. Please be at the gate at a certain time, uh, or you could lose your seat. So I think that was just one of those unfortunate situations. That's probably uh, you know at big airports like that. I know in Atlanta Airport, I always keep an eye on the gate because the gate will change and they won't necessarily make a loud announcement about that so in some ways it's our responsibility as passengers i'm sorry that happened to your mother uh to be at the right gate at the t- at that time or they will give up your seat and then their obligation if you if you miss that flight is to, to make sure you're on the next flight uh which it sounds like they did right okay all right thank you so you just like Jared, you can give us a call this morning. And when we come back from the break, we'll take your calls about airlines, cruise, hotel, and car rental legal issues. Our number to give us a call is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 
672-7464, or you can send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to MPB Think Radio's In Legal Terms. Professor Richard Gerson from the University of Mississippi School of Law is with me. And this morning we're talking about traveling and the legal obligation of uh, carriers like the airline and the cruise companies. You can give us a call. Our number is one 877 672-7464. Let's do just a couple more airline questions, uh, Professor Gershon. Uh, what are your rights if your plane is stuck on the tarmac? You know, you're away from the gate, but you're not up in the air yet. Well, that's a great question. That's something that I think we, uh, to me, it's almost worse than than being delayed in the airport is being stuck on the tarmac because you're, you're buckled in, uh, you're in your seat, and, uh, you know, for a while, airlines, there were no really rules regulating what airlines had to do when you were stuck on the tarmac. So you would hear these stories about uh, the ba- bathrooms not working and uh, people not getting food, uh, not being allowed to move from their seats for, for many, many hours. And that that's not even healthy. So um, now the Department of Transportation mandates that any airline can't keep you on a plane for more than three hours on a domestic flight or four hours on an international flight without allowing you to get off, if you wish, uh, subject to safety and security considerations. And each airline is also obligated to provide food and water after two hours of delay, so that's, that's a big step forward, and provide updates to passengers every 30 minutes, and to assure that the plane uh, lavatories are operational, which is uh, also important. You know, when they're on the ground, a lot of times uh, uh, the, in the past you couldn't use the lavatory uh, while you were on the tarmac, but if if you're going to keep keep people on a plane for three hours uh, sitting on a tarmac, even if it's not the airline's fault, they have to have some per, uh, precautions and protections for uh, their passengers. So I think airlines have gotten a lot better about that. Um, you know, there are things that they can't uh, control. Sometimes, for example, when there are weather delays, uh, it takes time to de-ice a plane especially in southern airports uh, where they're not used to having much ice and snow. I, I was stuck in Atlanta Airport on a tarmac for a long, long time one time uh, in a rare snowstorm in Atlanta. Uh, and so they had to de-ice the planes one at a time, and we were on the tarmac for a long, long time. So the Department of Transportation wants to make sure that passengers are taken care of in those circumstances as well. And uh, so if you wanted to complain, complain about an airline it, to the airline about your treatment in writing, what's something you could do? Well, that, that's a that's a really great question. I think there's some nuance to it as well, because, 
you know, there are official processes for complaining. I think the first place you start, uh, the gate agents really can't help you. They really can't. Uh, they, you know, they have a certain role that they play. I mean, they'll, they'll try to direct you somewhere else. But uh, what you want to do is try to find somebody uh, who is in management at the at the airport uh, for that airline uh, to to work with you and talk to them. And usually, they want to resolve the issue, uh, but not always. Uh, the next thing that you can do is is uh, use social media. Uh, the I, I've noticed that they. Uh, Companies respond in general. If you go on their Twitter accounts and post something that, uh, you know, respectfully about how uh, you felt that you uh, were not treated well or, you know, something went wrong with your flight that you think is, is the airline's fault, uh, you tend to get a pretty immediate response on social media because they don't want to have that bad information out there. I, I think that that's changed the way they respond. Now, there are um, uh, ways to officially complain and that is you know the department of transportation website and i'm going to give everyone that now has some good information about how to how to do that uh, if you go to transportation.gov there's even a uh, a tab on there for airlines about complaining and air, every airline has to show you on their website how to file a complaint with that carrier all right so it's got to be on their website it's got to be on all e-ticket confirmations it's got to be um you can also get it at their counters and gates. So there is an official way to do that. They have to acknowledge the receipt of your complaint within 30 days, and they got to send a substantive res- response within 60 days of receiving the complaint. Um, now, they have a lot of discretion about how they have to deal with problems. But, I, you know, I, I think airlines understand some things are just minor inconveniences that we all have to face when traveling, and... You know, I think I no longer expect that my my air travel will be perfect, and and I, and so some of it is just an adjustment on our part and and patience on our part. But there's something that things that should work, and uh, a couple of times when uh, airlines have uh, done things that were clearly um, uh, more within their control, uh, then I've had an airline, a particular airline, give my family. Gift cards, for example, when we had a two-day delay somewhere uh, that we felt like um, they, they just mishandled. So, you know, yeah, I, the complaints uh, do have to be responded to. Um, and, uh, you know, unless you're injured, though, um, those are things, again, that don't rise to the level of necessarily going to an attorney. But you, you can handle those yourself. Well, and as with most things, approaching something with a, a good attitude and uh, being respectful, what you, you catch more flies uh, with honey, uh, you might get a better response. We do have a call. We have uh, from Port Gibson. Linda is on the line. Linda, what's your question about travel? Hello. Hi, Linda. We can hear you. Okay. Yes, I, I wanted to... Uh find out uh, okay getting insurance before you travel or getting it through an agent before you travel uh, would you still uh, experience some of those uh, things that happen when you're flying or if you're on a cruise well 
Linda, that's a good, great question. I, I think what you're what you're going towards there is if you have there are certain kinds of insurance you can buy before a flight or before a cruise for cancellations or delays. That's typically through a, a separate company uh, that mm-hmm. offers you uh, basically uh, you know it cuts down on your risk of having a flight uh, canceled without compensation uh, or a cruise. And uh, uh, many people recommend having that flight or trip cancellation insurance. Um, you know, it depends on how, again, how flexible it is, if it's the only time you can travel, if, if you're concerned about your health and think that maybe uh, you may not be able to make that trip because of health reasons. What I would say is that be, you want to be careful when you buy that insurance to make sure you, typically there are restrictions, uh, times it doesn't apply, um, and so uh, you just want to make sure that you, you've read that carefully. Uh, but that can be helpful in certain circumstances, certainly. Oh, thank you. Yeah, because... Uh so far, I've, I've uh, had positive experiences since I, uh, you know, I bought my my health insurance. I mean, my health insurance. Bought my flight insurance through my agent. Hello. Yes, I'm still there. Oh, yes. I've uh, I went to London and I went to Eastern Canada, and then I I took a cruise through. Uh, I took a cruise to Princess Cruise Line, um, and I've had uh, nothing but good things to say about uh, me purchasing insurance. You know, it's a, and I read over, you know, the do's and don'ts of, uh, you know, the red, I mean, the little writing, and like I said, so far I haven't had any any known problems. Well, that's good. No, I'm glad to hear that. And you know, it really, I think it's just a, it, it's something on an individual basis. Uh, I typically don't buy it. Uh, you know, I typically think, you know, for example, I I had to fly this weekend to Durham, North Carolina, um, and I just made sure that I had enough time built in that if there were delays, uh, I was still going to get there in time to pick up my daughter. Um, but if you're trying to connect to a cruise or you're trying to connect to some other, yeah. uh, you know, other travel or you're yeah, going internationally. I purchase through, uh, I normally get a cruise. I normally get insurance for international travel or for, you know, cruises or I don't, I, I hardly ever get it for in-state travel, like short trips. So, yeah. Right. Cause it, it's really just a cost benefit. And, uh, what you're saying, I think, is right. If you're going internationally, you're connecting up with a cruise. If you if your flight doesn't get there, you miss your cruise. Then you're gonna you're gonna uh, want to have insurance to make sure that uh, you're you're covered for the cost of missing that cruise. So I think that's that's a that's good advice, and uh, appreciate your call. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. And we've been right. talking this morning about your legal rights when you travel for vacations. We've been talking about airlines. And when we come back from the break, we'll talk about cruises and hotels. If you have a question, you can give us a call this morning. Our number is one 877 672 7464. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast. When you go to our website, mpbonline.org slash in legal terms, you can listen to past shows. You can also click on this purple button and that says subscribe to the show, and then it'll connect to however you get your podcasts. It's also, our show is also available on the MPB media app and is as is all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill, here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. And this morning, we're talking about legal obligations of the the contracts that you uh, come into when you're on vacation, when you're traveling. We've talked about airlines. Now we'll talk about cruises. I'll have on our website a link to the Cruise Bill of Rights, uh, but they are they have uh, and and Doctor Professor Gershon the 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 Cruise Bill of Rights that applies to most of our uh, nationally recognized uh, cruise ships that uh, some of our listeners may take trips on. Yes, Liz. A lot of those cruise ships are actually uh, they're. Um flagged under another country's flag. So a lot of times these are international ships that we're talking about. And there actually is a cruise industry passenger bill of rights. Now, this is not something that a government has adopted. Uh, it's actually the uh, the member uh, uh, members of the, the cruise industry uh, it's themselves have decided to voluntarily uh, pass a passenger bill of rights. So the one thing you want to check is to make sure that uh, if you want to have these rights, that the cruise you go on is a member of CLIA, uh, which is the uh, Cruise Line uh, uh, Industry uh, Association. Uh, and they, they have come up with um, this Bill of Rights to, to try to normalize what they're required to do, basically to, to create a contract with passengers so that passengers know what will happen in case something goes wrong. Well, there are 10 items on the Bill of Rights. I guess uh, once you start a tradition with a Bill of Rights, 10 seems to be like a good round number. So, But we'll go through a couple of them. The the very first one, you know, a lot of these seem, uh, they seem obvious, but I guess if, if, if they weren't obvious, that's when we'd have the problems. The first one is the right to disembark a docked ship if essential provisions such as food, water, restroom facilities, and access to medical care cannot be adequately provided on board, subject only to the master's concern for passenger safety and security and customs and immigration requirements of the port. Right. Well, you know, a few years ago, the cruise industry uh, seemed to go through a rough time a few years ago where, you know, I I felt like regularly there was a, a problem with either uh, widespread uh, illness on the ship, uh, a rotavirus uh, was one that they had, or uh, ships that were, uh, for some reason, had mechanical problems and uh, the passengers were stuck on board without electricity, uh, without uh, proper food service. And, and so I think, you know, the, that the industry wanted to uh, right itself, if you will, to use maybe a, a nautical term. And so they uh, decided to... Um, 
you know, to have a, some normalization of, of what is expected uh, in those circumstances. And so, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's common, kind of common sense uh, that food, water, restroom facilities, things like that. You go on, you go on a cruise to relax and go on a cruise to, to have a vacation. If something goes wrong, the last thing you, you, you want to have happen is to be in a position where uh, your life could be at stake. And so we want the ships to take responsibility for making sure that food, medical care, uh, and other provisions that are necessary are, are available. Well, we have a couple of calls that we've got on the line. First, we're going to go to Brandon. This is Danny, who's calling about some travel complaints. Uh, go ahead, Danny. You're on the air. Hey, um, how are you guys doing? Thank you for taking my call. We're glad you uh, called in. I just want to kind of uh, submit a, a lighthearted type of comment. Um, first of all, I think that us as travelers have become so incredibly spoiled that we don't actually get to look or don't choose to look at what we're actually having the opportunity to do. What we're able to do is we're, we are able to get in a metal cylinder, fly up in the air, and sit in a chair 35,000 feet above the earth and then quickly get to our destination. I think that instead of complaining and whining about how, oh, we had to wait for an hour to go up in the air and fly, I think that we should maybe take a step back every once in a while and just appreciate the fact that, you know, we're able to do this wonderful thing. And maybe if we take that, that viewpoint, maybe the whole travel process and dealing with the ticket counters and, and things like this might go a little bit smoother instead of us all always becoming the victim in this wonderful thing we call flight. So, um, again, I appreciate y'all's um, show. I love it. I listen all the time, uh, and I'll hang up with that. Thank y'all so much. Thanks for your call, Danny. Yes, a, a good attitude uh, helps with helps go along with life. It does. Danny's right about that. Uh, you know, I think there are things that there. One of the things on the Department of Transportation website that I think is important, uh, if you if anyone looks at it, is they say don't fill up the airline's inbox with petty complaints. Uh, you know the fact that you didn't uh, that on a short flight that the flight attendant didn't get a chance to serve everyone, you know, a cup of water or a cup of coffee is really not worth complaining about. That's not a big deal. Uh, it's the complaints where uh, maybe the airline didn't uh, didn't keep you informed, didn't do enough. Um, uh, and that there may be worth co- uh, complaining about because the one thing that um, I will say is that we, for that privilege of flying, we do we do pay uh, a, a fairly substantial amount, and uh, airline customers don't have a lot of power. We really don't. I mean, we can choose which airlines to fly, but uh, as my wife always said, until we can start our own airline, we we're pretty much you know. Uh, victims of them that we have to we we have to go on their schedule uh and to try to get places we need to be uh but attitude really is important and i agree with that so there's some balance there and i think you know we we have some things we should be able to expect from the airlines we should not uh, expect perfection um and uh we should just be happy that instead of for for me the example on last friday instead of having to drive 10 and a half hours i flew uh for three hours that was not so bad Great. And we have another question. This one is a caller from Meridian. Francis is on the line. Francis, thanks for calling in legal terms. What's your question? My question is, uh, earlier you talked about uh, 
things that the airline has to do if they bump you or the flight's delayed or whatever. I'm wondering, are those rules and regulations written down somewhere? Oh, I, you know, you said you're supposed to pay 400% of the uh, one-way fare if um, whatever. Is that written down somewhere? It, it is. It absolutely is. And it is uh, written down. On, if you go to the U.S. Department of Transportation website, uh, that is transportation.gov, and then check for air consumer fly rights is what, uh, is what the, uh, uh, that part's under. If you go to Consumer Guide to Air Travel, they have on their website, uh, it has all of that, including um, voluntary and involuntary uh, bumping. So all that is written down. Uh, airlines must comply with that. Uh, that's not something that's voluntary. That's something that uh, e- there's very little regulation of airlines now, but that's part of the regulation that they still have to make sure that there's normalization of what happens to air passengers when uh, when they are bumped. Well, great. Thank you so much. Francis, we're so glad that you called in. And uh, other listeners, we'd love for you to call in this morning. We're talking about the legal obligations of airlines, of cruise ships, of hotels when we travel. What's their agreement with us when we make a contract to use their services? You can give us a call. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. Back to our uh, Bill of Rights for the cruise ships. Um, the One of them is the right to a full refund for a trip that is canceled due mechanical failures or a partial refund for voyages that are terminated early due to those failures. That seems kind of like a uh, an obvious one, but I guess a Bill of Rights needed to be passed because that wasn't the case. That's right, and I think part of what now, part of what you uh, uh, I think potential uh, cruise passengers should think about then is that they want to be on a ship uh, from a company that signed on to this Bill of Rights, the CLIA. So you want to make sure, and and if you your cruise ship should have this that they do subscribe to the Bill of Rights on their uh, webpage. Uh, they should have it prominently displayed. The Bill of Rights should be prominently prominently displayed on the cruise, partly because these particular lines voluntarily said, "Hey, we need to we need to have this written down that we're going to do that." Um, it is if you get on a ship or a line that is not part of this organization, they may not uh, agree to to uh, give you a full refund if there's mechanical failure. So um, I would I would make sure that I would check for a cruise line that does uh, comply with this this particular uh, voluntary uh, bill of rights that they've created um, because you know mechanical failures can happen and then you're out on a ship what are they going to do for you uh, you had all these great plans for going to all these different ports and and you're stuck in the water for a while while you know while they have to have uh, repairs done um, it's good to know that you're on a ship that will uh, refund you for that if that happens. All right. Um, we have some more uh, questions. And uh, due to the magic of radio, Professor Gershon is in Oxford. I'm here in Jackson at our MPB studios. And uh, 
you know, we have so much technology, but I'm trying to figure out how to forward this email to you. It's a couple of questions about flights, right. and uh, uh, maybe Profession Gershon can be thinking about these when we take our next call. But someone wanted to know is, what if the flight is canceled due to pilot and the co-pilot not showing up? And then also a question about if I get a voucher for giving up my seat, can I buy a ticket for my spouse with that voucher? And we are going to take our last break while uh, Professor Gershon thinks about those. We are so glad that you've, you've been listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Gershon is our uh, expert on contract law. And we're talking about the contracts between you, the traveler, and airlines, cruises, and hotels. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to MPB Think Radio's In Legal Terms. Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law is with me, our host, Liz Gill. And this morning, we've been talking about traveling and the legal obligations of carriers. Uh, Professor Gershon, do you have our uh, any answers for our airline questions? I think I do. I'll Great. try my best. Uh, certainly, in terms of the uh, pilots not showing up for the flight, uh, the real question is that depends. Um, there are times when, for example, uh, pilots and co-pilots are coming from a, a flight from another destination, and if there's a weather problem at that other destination they're not going to be able necessarily then to get to uh, the destination of your flight, even though there won't be a weather problem uh, in your area. So, you know, that can happen. I, my wife and, and family and I were stranded at LaGuardia Airport one night because uh, there was no snow at LaGuardia that night, but uh, there was a flight coming from Detroit that was our connecting flyer flight that would uh, take us to our destination back here to Memphis. And uh, the pilot and co-pilot were on that Detroit flight, and they got snowed in. So uh, Delta had to cancel the flight that night. So the, the only thing the airline was required to do was rebook us on the next flight um, that had had seats. And so, uh, you know, we actually had to be there a couple of days. Uh, that was the best they could do. That was the most they had to do. So it really depends on why the co-pilot and pilot aren't there. Um, and uh, I always feel like I wish airlines would have backups uh, but uh, they don't always uh, do that. The other thing um, that can can interfere with a flight will be uh, the new rules regarding crew rest. So if a, a crew is delayed um, 
because of a weather delay, and they even if they get to your uh, point of d- disembarkation where you're going to be flying from, it may be that that crew needs to um, stand down because they have they have to uh, have a certain amount of rest before they fly again. And so there are certain rules that are governmental rules that might prevent uh, that uh, crew from being able to fly that flight. So a lot of times it's not the airline's fault or responsibility in that case. In terms of the, the voucher for being bumped, typically those are just given to uh, out as uh, cash value uh, on that airline. You can use it, uh, you know, like, for example, if it's, uh, let's say it's American Airlines gives you a $500 voucher, you can use that uh, for travel with American Airlines. Uh, I guess you could buy their uh, T-shirts if you wanted to. Usually those travel vouchers are good uh, for any anything that you buy from American Airlines. And I think that uh, you could use those then for a spouse, a child, uh, you know, as a gift for someone else. They really are not uh, typically just um, given to that one passenger. Thank you very much for answering those emails for us, Professor Gershon. And now we have two more calls. We're so glad that Mary has been holding, calling from Greenville, and she has a question or a comment about travel insurance. Go ahead, Mary. Yes, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'm supposed to travel in the next two and a half years, if if I'm here, (laughs) uh, to Africa. And I want to purchase some insurance travel insurance and this is with a a company that that made an offer and my son gave transferred the offer to me so i'm taking advantage of it but by friday i have to purchase some insurance so i want to know how can i go by looking for some comparison you know for in terms of price wise well, that's first of all. I'm sure you will be here for your trip, and and I, I wish you a pleasant voyage or journey uh, to Africa. Um, yeah, you know that they're the best way. This is really, I, I think, the best way to do it is to go on the internet. There's some comparisons. There's some good information about travel insurance uh, and comparing companies. There's some uh, good uh, blogs about uh, you know tips for buying travel insurance, I would just be an informed shopper and, and find something that, that's most suitable for you at a good mm-hmm. price. But uh, it does seem like if you've got a trip planned that far out and you're going to pay for it uh, now, then maybe travel insurance is a good idea because a lot can happen between now and, and a couple of years from now. Um, yeah. So that may be worth the price. Okay. So, uh, like, what's the most important part, uh, fact that I should look for when I purchase this insurance? Well, just coverage to make sure that, okay. you know, that the, the ones that cover things like, uh, uh, for example, you know, trip cancellation, even if even if you just just uh, decide you don't you don't want to go for some reason. Uh, some of them have restrictions that say it's got to be for health reasons. It's got to be that you couldn't go. Uh, you've got to you know provide uh, uh, some uh, documentation for health reasons. It might just be that you've changed your mind for whatever reasons. Um, I would look. I would just look at the restrictions that the insurance company has uh, to decide which one best suits you and and what you really want to be protected against. And it sounds like to me, you you want to go and you're planning on going. And and uh, uh, so what you really want to do then is to buy the insurance that protects you in case of an illness or protects you in case of uh, 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 you know something un- unexpected, unexpected happens. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, I'll do that. I'll get busy tonight and do that. All right. Well, good luck. All right. Thank you. She'll have to tell us all about her trip to Africa when uh, when she gets back. So next, we've got a call 
uh, from Biloxi. Paul has been holding. Thanks, Paul. Um, what's your question or comment for our show? Yes, I have a question about a situation. I'd like to get your opinion on what happened to me recently on a hotel booking. I booked a, uh, a five-night stay in a hotel in Marathon, Florida, in the Keys. And uh, it's quite expensive, actually. And within an hour of making that booking, the entire trip fell through. And so I, I called right away to cancel, and they insisted on keeping over $200 as a penalty. Now, they have a policy that says you have to cancel with 30 days' notice, but the booking was only for the following week. So it was impossible to have a 30-day notice, and uh, they wouldn't even talk to me about it. So I was wondering about if, if I have any legal ground. Well, I wish you did, but I think, you know, if their policy is, is stated that they don't give refunds uh, unless you cancel within 30 days, then uh, I, I think they've got you on this one. But, you know, in the future, what I recommend, there are most a lot of hotel chains will let you cancel with 24 hour, 48 hours notice. It sounds like this might be a resort. Resorts sometimes are different because they tend to, to fill up and they want to make sure that they don't have um, uh, some last minute cancellations. No, it wasn't a resort, but there are very few places to stay in that town that I needed to be in. And uh, I guess they have you over a barrel in that respect. But the fact that there was no way to let them know within 30 days because the booking was just after I made it, you know, the following week, seems to me to put me in a, in a vulnerable spot. Right. But I'm you, sorry. You, there's no Go. way I can recoup that. I'm sorry that have you had there there are some you know uh, the hotels uh, as long as they state the policy that you have uh, you, you must if you're going to cancel you must do it within 30 days uh, before 30 days and you know if you then if you're within 30, within 30 days then you want to make sure okay I'm I'm not going to book this reservation unless I'm sure I'm going uh, there are hotels for example um, now hotels will give you a discounted price if you prepay for your hotel room but then that's non-cancelable even if you made it uh, a long way out. So you just you need to make sure you, you check that, and I'm sorry that happened to you, but uh, next time I would book with someone who allows you to cancel. Well, I appreciate you. I just was wondering if you had heard of any similar situation, if I had any recourse. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Paul, we're so glad that you called in. We only have 30 seconds left, but on this cruise bill of rights, one that I think is extremely important uh, was number uh, eight, the right to lodging if disembarkation and an overnight stay in an unscheduled port are required when a cruise is terminated early due to mechanical failures. Well, that's, that is important because you're going to need a place to stay and you don't want to stay on the ship. You can't stay on the ship, so they need to make sure they put you up in acceptable lodging. And I'm glad that they have that. And uh, I wish everyone safe travels. Uh, yes. If you're going to go on a cruise, take us with you. But if you can't, please at least go to our website to look at this Bill of Rights. That'll wrap us up for today's In Legal Terms. To hear today's show or a previous show, visit mpbonline.org slash in legal terms. Or you can download the MPB Media app and listen on your smart device on demand. Our call screener today was Jared, the intern. Uh, and our board engineer has been Kevin Farrell. For Professor Richard Gershon, I'm our producer, Liz Gill. Up next is our Tuesday Southern Remedy Show, Relatively Speaking. Join us again Tuesday at 10 a.m. for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.